This is the Roaring Elephant Podcast, and here I am with my co-host and your favourite, Yon. I noticed... Maybe your favourite Yon, who knows? Well, there's more Yons in the world than you think. I mean, I always thought it was my, my, the way of you write my first name is kind of unique, but um, working for big companies like Microsoft, we'll talk about it. A little bit of preview here. There's more yons in the world than you possibly could want. <laughs> wow. There you go. And I'm assuming there's a lot of Dave as well. Yes, there are many, 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 many Daves. But only one co-host of the Rolling Alpha, Dave. This is correct. And that's a good thing. Yes. Very much so. Anyway, uh, we have a bit of a, uh, a situation here where we ended up doing quite a long episode. And so we are uh, cutting it in two uh, just to make it a little bit more easier for people to consume. Uh, so apologies for the slightly hard cut uh, into, into this particular story. But we think we found a good place where we could uh, pause uh, one episode and uh, hopefully lead into the next. Yeah, so it's going to be a bit of a brusque um, transition, let's say, but, um, well, we have to keep these things somewhat uh, bite-sized because it's still called bite-sized big tech, right? So we can't do hour-long episodes exactly. anymore. So, yeah, with that, unless you have anything else. Yeah. No, let's let's hand it back to our, our, our future selves or past selves or... Yes, I mentioned. Ourselves. <laughs> so I wanted to like pick up on something that you'd mentioned, which was the, the sort of the flexibility to do different things. And that I, you know, in the, the, the role that I was doing at, at Canonical, like the opportunities opened up that I hadn't really expected to take on. One of which was I actually run, ran the, EMEA sales team alongside my already full-time job of running the global SE team only for six months or so. Um, and that was plenty long enough for me. It's not <laughs> something that I, uh, I would relish doing again, but it did give me uh, a huge appreciation beyond what I already had uh, for, you know, understanding the really, really understanding the, the sales side of the house. Cause you, you have a strong understanding of it if you're a good SE, but it's not quite the same as if you actually are on the sales side. And as I say, I was I was managing and, and running the, the sales team uh, responsible for forecasts and numbers and all that sort of stuff, which is definitely not my, uh, not my strong point. Uh, and yet I was able to sort of lean on some other folks and, and sort of be able to, to get that team through that period. And in another example, which is a little bit further down the line, I uh, also ran, uh, while running the, a solutions engineering organization, I also ran uh, a support team as well and continued to grow that on the side. So it was it easy? Definitely not. But getting the opportunity to not just skim on the surface of, of these, not just like manage the people and and sort of you know keep things running but actually make material improvements to 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 these teams and their processes and how they operate and things like that i i have found 
I've had a, a handful of opportunities to do that over my career. And I found in, in all cases, it's been very, very beneficial mm. because you get to see more of the, more of the machine, more of the company, yeah. and you get a better appreciation, uh, for the wider, the wider sense of things. So it, it you know, it's not something I can imagine comes up with many people all that often, but don't my advice would be, you know, give it some, give it some due care and attention, but don't necessarily shy away from it. If, if you are presented with such an opportunity, you need to make sure it's the right fit for you. Obviously, if, if something is completely a thousand percent outside your wheelhouse, you know, maybe it doesn't make sense to, uh, do that too far and also make sure that you understand the terms of, of what it mm. is that you're accepting. Um, you know, I, in both of these cases, I knew it was a, a short to medium term thing. Both of them lasted around about, uh, six months, nine months, something like that for each of them. And it was very much an interim gap, but it wasn't a, you're just a placeholder, you know, just keep these bodies warm. This is, this is a. And it, it, I could have operated it that way, but that's yeah. just not my, that's not Athletic my way of, well. of being. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, it's, it's being given those chances and those opportunities, you know, they, they can pop up even in, you know, an existing organization you're part of. So it's worth, uh, it's worth giving them some attention. Yeah. I just want to say that the SA leadership taking over the sales team, that's a good thing if you're a pre-sales. The other, other way around, if the sales leader is taking over lease of the SA team, that's a miserable time for the SAs, I find. <laughs> mm, I've never seen that, but I can imagine. I can imagine. Anyway, so I, I left Canonical and I was, uh, I was sort of seduced by the exciting world of big data and, uh, and joined Hauntworks. And of course this is. Uh, as Jon mentioned, uh, where I, I met him. I've had a podcast started. Indeed. So started off uh, just as, you know, a, a sort of a senior solutions engineer. I sort of, again, worked my way sort of up through the ranks uh, of the solutions engineering uh, side and left as a, as, a, as a principal SE slash sort of field CTO for EMEA and APAC um, during my time there. But I also, again, had an opportunity to run the sort of uh, Northern EMEA SE team. Again, for an interim period of time, I'd had management experience before, so it kind of made sense just as we were, you know, growing and scaling the organization for, for a period of time. But most of my time there was spent in the world of um, the individual contributor, so went uh, and, and sort of initially very much more, you know, my background, background was a lot of infrastructure. So I, I sort of stuck mostly to that side of the house. I didn't spend as much time on the ML and AI, uh, uh, side of things, but over the, over time, you know, you can't help, but pick up some of these things. And I, I also managed to lean into my, um, my previous sort of cybersecurity uh, time at uh, kinetic slash DSTL and um, so then it was also oh, Dara uh, and then it was 
um, Apache Metron sort of caught my eye and I spent, you know, a decent chunk of my tail end of my time at Hortonworks and then post-merger Cloudera focused around cybersecurity and big data specifically. And again, you know, a great time had a lot of, um, a lot of very interesting discussions, some very nice deals as well. Uh, but it's, uh, it wasn't everything that I wanted and I could see that, uh, you know, the organization was, was not really on the trajectory that I had hoped, you know, when I first joined and I was there for nearly five years. So when I first joined, I could see the, the sort of the, the explosion of the big data ecosystem and the mm -hmm. tremendous potential uh, that was there. And by the time I, I was sort of starting to consider leaving, I think a lot of the shine had, had come off the big data world. You know, Jan's talked before about the, the fragmentation of, of big data. And, you know, we, we'd already seen companies like Snowflake and Databricks already become very successful with their more focused approach. There's that word again. And the, the world of the, the big data platform as it was, um, started to become a little bit less relevant to a lot of organizations. And I think that's where that was the thing that really made me consider, uh, looking outside and, and seeing what else was around. And this was also the time that, uh, once more, someone from my past, in this case, someone from Canonical had reached out to me and, uh, and the conversation continued from there, but, uh, we'll leave it there for now. And we'll do one final switcheroo across to Jan. Yes, because uh, I finally ended where I'm today. Is that the end? We'll see. <laughs> As I said, Microsoft became less interesting. Still a beautiful company, but just uh, as you said as well, it wasn't really going where I wanted to go. And I wasn't learning anymore. Cloud was cloud and cloud is cloud. And yeah, that's cloud. And that was all they did, basically. So... Again, lucky, as I said at the beginning of the first episode on this subtopic, I consider myself very lucky across my career because I have been so much blessed by good recruiters that had a good story and helped me go to the next point of my career. I was always able to follow the technology, the new stuff coming in. And the one thing that you already knew about security was something I never really touched in the past. I did a lot of big data, mm. machine learning, neural networks, that stuff like that. I love the cloud, obviously, uh, HPC, stuff like that. But security was something that you always talked about and you were lyrical about that stuff. And in the podcast, we had some episodes on, uh, we had some episodes on security where you kind of talked and I kind of listened and said, yeah, that, that sounds kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> so when uh, a recruiter from Elastic contacted me, um, at first I was like, Elastic, okay, observability, logging metrics, uh, it's kind of cool, but but then in the discussion came up that they were planning on really going heavy on security as well. Uh, the whole SIEM, Endpoint Security, SOAR, EDR, all the acronyms you can think about. And this was now three years ago. I mean, today, XDR is everywhere. Everybody's talking about security at the moment. Three years ago, it was still not child-sized. No, it was huge already. But it mm. wasn't in the public's eye that much. It was more at the company level. Companies did security, become this big security. Me at home, you didn't really feel it that much today with the, all the data leaks and stuff happening mm. three years makes a, a big uh, makes, makes a big difference and they were at that point 
a relatively small company, a Dutch company. It's also the first time in my life I actually worked for a company that was originated in the country I lived. This <laughs> 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 doesn't happen often. Um, but they were doing security. And again, I was able to kind of join an open source company again, uh, at least open source minded, I should say today. And they had a topic that was interesting, security, had good conditions. It was a very nice distributed company. I loved working from home at Hortonworks, living from, uh, living from home. Yes, living from home always works. <laughs> working from <laughs> home was a, a bit more or less standard. At Microsoft, it was kind of, you expect it to be a couple of days in the week at the office, but yeah, as a solution architect, you go to customers most of the time. And at Microsoft, that was very much, you go to a customer. The whole uh, video call, uh, Zoom, Teams, stuff like that wasn't really happening at that in those days yet. You really had to go to the customer on site. Elastic, um, the distributed nature was also something that really felt good. Being able to just do your job the way you have to do it, the way you like to do it, the way you do it well. And that's the reasons, a couple of reasons I went uh, to Elastic. But just with all other um, job opportunities I took, every time that I'm almost closing the deal, I insist on spending half a day on the work floor. At Hortonworks, that was hard because there was no work floor here. I had to take a plane mm. to, the, to London, so I wasn't able to do it there. But I was able to talk to some people and get some idea. But if I can do it, if there is a local entity, a local a local office, I just go there and spend half a day just talking to people. And that's something I can always recommend people to do. If you're looking at a job and you're almost there, you think everything is okay, just spend some time with the people. Feel how it feels. Mm. Mm. Anyway, I'm here now. I'm not looking at leaving anytime soon but that being said i've never been looking to leave a company to be <laughs> honest and we'll see what the future the future brings i guess indeed indeed and uh, yeah that that sort of brings me on to where i am today so as i as i mentioned uh someone from my past uh someone that i'd worked with very closely at at canonical actually uh it was the head of people operations or is the head of people operations and the 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 sort of the recruiting motion was kind of amusing uh, as i look back on it uh, i've i've sort of had this uh, conversation a few times so it's not particularly surprising but the it started off with a um a conversation with uh, uh, the lady whose name's alice who said uh, oh i'm i found I that, that song i'm going to be now, thank you I know, I know. Um, she hates that. But I can imagine. <laughs> she said, "Oh, I'm, I'm going to be, you know, I'm also going to be responsible for for hiring here, and um, I'm going to be, you know, growing a, a solutions engineering team as part of uh, as part of the growth that we're going to have here." I don't really know anything about hiring SEs. Like, could could you could you could you school me on on what to do and how to do it and where you look and all that sort of stuff and how you grow a team? And so I started off with you know loved loved working with Alice previously, and uh, so thought yeah I, I can I'm happy to help, and just spent some time on a couple of calls talking through you know, my approach and how I look for people and how I screen folks and interview processes and and you know how to how to do outreach and all that sort of stuff and you know we had a couple of calls around that and i remember so she said oh you you should really have a chat with um uh you know smuggle matt who's our head of uh head of um customer experience so i sort of got on the, had another call <laughs> with uh, with him and 
you know, had a great conversation about all sorts of different topics. And at the end of his call, he said, oh, you should really have a chat with uh, our CEO, Raj. He'd love to have a, a conversation with you. And again, like set this call up. And this sort of continued for a while. Um, had, you know, a handful of these discussions. Um, you know, then a couple of group discussions and the groups sort of kept getting larger with more and more people on the other side. But it never never once really felt like an interview um it never really it, they just felt like really interesting exciting conversations with lots of lots of back and forth no sort of someone sat in a chair asking you question after question after question it was just a really really interesting and exciting bunch of conversations and i do I remember the uh, the final um, sort of at the end of one of the final discussions, the the CEO Raj basically said, "Well, I, th I think we've we've absolutely got our our money's worth of free consulting uh, from you. <laughs> we we it's it's definitely about time we made you a job offer, and uh, and the rest is rest is history and uh, present day." True, true. And the, the, the giant glowing logo that uh, any of you watching on YouTube will see in the background of my office here, that's sort of uh, what you get at Grafana Labs after you've been here for three years. You get a giant glowing Grafana symbol. And uh, I've been here, you know, about three and a half years now, I've just noticed, which is slightly crazy to me. And yeah, still enjoying it, still having fun. Um, I hired the first 21 SEs globally here, mainly in the States, handful of folks in EMEA and APAC. I then handed the, the global team across to a guy named Steve Mazak, who joined us actually from Elastic. Yep. And um, indeed, and uh, I now focus on the continued growth and development of the EMEA and APAC regions. And uh, in fact, the, the international team as itself is was already um, nearly about the same size as the, the team that I'd first hired globally. So it's it's sort of, it's been an interesting journey so far and continues to be so. Yeah, it's definitely something to, keep, uh, to, to be aware of that there's never enough SEs or SAs or pre-sales engineers, if they, the name is, there's more and more demand for this type of role. So if yeah. you're a listener, you're, you're technical, you like talking, you have a bit of a commercial in mind, take the step. I, if you're a bit, a bit stress um, resistant, then you could do way worse than this horrible, horrible job. <laughs> 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 anyway some closing thoughts perhaps um, i mean it, i suppose one of the things is that for me the network of people that i built up throughout my career you know apart from my very so my very first job um going all the way back to rolls royce military aero engines even that, I believe I got that through the through my network, as it were, because I'd done um, I'd done work experience there, and during my sort of pair of work experience placements, you know, when I applied for a, a job there, there were, I think, there were thirty positions open and available. And I believe they had uh, a thousand applicants per 
position. So there were literally 30,000 applicants and I was one of the 30 that got selected. And I am positive that it's not really because my application was, uh, you know, a thousand times better than anyone else's. But I believe that it was due to the fact that to a certain extent, I was sort of a known quantity to the company because they, you know, they had positive uh, feedback from the, the the people that I'd worked with there during my, you know, month or so um, spent working with a few different parts of that organization. So my very first role, my very first full-time job, I believe I got through my quote unquote network. Now, the, the second job, uh, when I moved from Rolls-Royce to, uh, you know, Kinetic or DARA, Defence European Research Agency, depending on uh, which name you could, you give it, um, that was the only one where I actually went out and, you know, looked for a role, found something, interviewed and and went went that direction. Every other sort of career change that I personally have made has been almost a pull from someone else that um, was sort of, I'd worked with before, they referred me in, you know, they sort of suggested that I'd be a good fit or a good addition to the organization or whatever it might be. And so I think for me at least, it, it's, it always feels like a very small world. I bump into people I think I've talked about this before. I bump into people time and time again, whether it's physically or digitally, you know, at conferences or, you know, online people popping up in organizations that I'm either part of or related to, or I'm aware of, or whatever it might be. And I find that for me, at least keeping that network alive and active has, has been incredibly beneficial and I consider myself incredibly lucky to have worked with these people in many cases they're the people that have gone on to you know these even earlier stage organizations now I joined Grafana Labs when it was less than less than 50 people it's now over 800 heading towards 900 people so it's grown massively over the three and a half years but still that sort of that network effect when you're going through your career looking back on it i yeah i can't say enough for all of the people that have suggested to me hey maybe we should chat there's exciting things going on here yeah yeah i'd agree that having the network and using the network is very very powerful and if it's if there's one thing in my i think i think i did okay to be honest I'm doing okay, hopefully. Uh, but if there's one thing I could have done better is actually use have a network because that's something I don't do. Uh, my social ineptitude, if I can call it that, doesn't. I, I kind of don't do that. I, I keep in touch with people, but the network, that, like you discussed, like you described there, mm. it's something that I don't put effort in because you have to put effort in that stuff. You have to keep those oh, relations yeah. alive. It's not something that just happens. LinkedIn is not the network he's talking about. He's talking about the personal <laughs> connection network. And that's a lot of work and it's a lot of stress for me. So that's something I hardly ever do, but I totally mm. agree that if I put a little bit of, a little bit of effort in that, who knows what I'd be. That being said, I'm okay where I am, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. You and me both. You and me both. So is there, is there one activity you did in your career you say, well, 
this is the thing that I like the most. And just to maybe make clear what I mean, I'm going to say what I think is the, the thing mm. that I took, I, I really like doing across the, the different jobs I've done more recently than in the original ones, and that's mentoring. I mean, I have no uh, no intention of becoming manager. I don't see the, the that that career path for me. But mentoring people is something I really love, and I hope the people that I mentor have a good a good experience. I mean, they still all talk to me, so I guess that's a good <laughs> thing. But um, I mean, you can't be a mentor without having excellent mentees, and it's just a joy and a privilege to be able to do that and have a still a little bit of I don't know teaching the new generation if i can call it that but not a generation in age but a generation in technical level or expertise and being able to mm. help somebody coming from consulting or devops engineering and become a, a good pre-sales engineer is very very rewarding and something i've been yeah. doing for uh, at my current job i do it quite often the, the older you get as a, an employee the more you get the chance to do this obviously you need to have experience for that but that's something that i never talk ne never taught when i hire for a job that's mm. something that should be part of the job, but it's something that's very, very rewarding. Despite, apart from all the other things, the great people and all the rest. Yeah, yeah. So I think mine is actually very close to that. It's 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 making people successful, which is it, some of it is mentoring, some of it is is giving people guidance and feedback. Some of it is for for me as a as a manager is is helping people to to shape their careers and their career paths kind of apt given the topic of conversation here and giving them the opportunities which i think is one of the differences between just mentoring and and being just a people mentoring. manager You're just saying what i do is nothing thank you very much no i'm not i'm not <laughs> but i i am saying that as as a mentor you don't have as much Control is possibly the wrong word, but maybe as much influence over someone's career direction. Not as at all. A, for me, mentoring yeah. has nothing to do with the career path. It's to do with yeah. the person. You want to for, you want to yeah. you want to make the person a better person. And I've had mentees that after the mentorship left the company and went somewhere else, and mm. still thanked me for the mentoring. Which yeah. is fine. I mean, it's sad for the company that people leave if the company can keep retention. We talked about a lot of things. It's very mm. important. But as a mentor. I mean, as a manager, you kind of want to keep the people in your team because you want yeah. to keep your team working. As a mentor, that's that's for me basically the difference between being a manager and being a mentor. Even though I will try to keep the people in the company. Obviously, I wouldn't be in this company if I didn't like it here and I'd mm. like people to be here. But it's not the main uh, driving thing behind mentoring. The driving thing is make the person all the person can be as a person. And I think actually there's a difference in in managers because i think that is how i think of it as a manager but you think I want bigger to, as well you need to have a career I, as well. I, I do i do think bigger as well yeah but at the same time i want the person to be successful and happy and i hope that i can make them successful and happy at the organization <laughs> that i mean obviously but i've worked with uh, many people that have gone on to, uh, you know, taken other roles, gone into other organizations and I still stay in touch with them. Some of them <laughs> I've then, I've then worked with again, sort of further on down the line, they've come and joined me again. Like the, there are some people, um, that this is the, like the third organization I've worked with them in, which is, I hope says something positive about me or possibly I'm being stalked one or the other, but 
many people I've worked with multiple times before. And it's not just a, oh, keep hiring the same kind of people. It's not that at all. It's about finding, you find certain individuals that, uh, that just work in a way that you know that you can trust and are very skilled individuals can do, can do the job exceptionally well. And you enjoy working with them and they enjoy working with you. Now that's also, you need to balance that with hiring people outside of that because you cannot have something that just feels siloed or segregated. So you always need to make sure you're pushing beyond that sort of comfort zone. But yeah, for me to answer your question, it's, it's making people successful. It's, you know, seeing people move into the roles that when you interviewed them, they said, ah, oh, in X number of years, I'd really like to be doing this or doing that or having this impact or whatever it might be. And helping people achieve that, I think is, it's the thing that I love the most about all the roles that I've done. So, yeah. Well, I don't think I ever thanked you for this, but it worked with me because you were my mentor at Hortonworks. You're the, you're the person mm. that kind of led me into the whole pre-sales life. So all the stress I've had in the last 10 years, it's all your fault. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. That sounds about right. You're welcome. <laughs> okay, we're really running long here. So one we last are. thing I want to put out here is the one thing that I have never, ever looked at when looking at a new job is the title. Titles mean nothing for me. And sure, I've started as a pre-sales. I've become a senior, now I'm a principal. Apparently you get titles when you join a new company. That's great. But apart from that, titles really don't mean anything. And that's actually literally true. Some companies use titles in a totally different way than other companies. So be aware of that. Mm. Any last golden nugget from you before you close it off? No, I don't think um, so. I think that is probably, unless there's anything else from you, no, I'm all nugged out. In that case, that is all the time we have for today. You can support the podcast by becoming a Patreon. Every contribution helps. We are on YouTube. You can like, you can subscribe. You can see the glowing Grafana logo in my background here. You can hit the notification bell and you can comment and do all the YouTube things. Please go to www.roaringelephant.org for a link to our Patreon page and for more information about the podcast. You can also follow us, or mainly Jan, on Twitter using the at Roaring Elephant tag. And you can send your feedback, if you are that way inclined, to podcast at roaringelephant.org. Until next time, my name is All Career Pathed Out Dave. And my name is Hey Recruiters, I'm on LinkedIn. John? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. And we I look forward to talking to you next week. I always enjoy talking to recruiters, so that's fine. Although although Jan may be too busy to record a podcast, he's too busy to talking to recruiters. Uh, nah, I'll limit it to once a week, actually. Anyway, <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> See you then.